0: This is the Lightning Round Podcast with your hosts, Garrett Sisti and Jamie Hoyle. Go Chargers, go! Welcome everybody, this is the Lightning Round Podcast. I am Garrett Sisti. Jamie Hoyle is not with me physically, but he will be on this podcast. What ended up happening is I had to leave town. Couldn't hook up with Jamie and talk for this podcast together. So, what we did this week, much like if you listen to our bi-week edition of the podcast, we decided to record separately. So, I recorded three important storylines, Jamie recorded the same important three storylines, and when I mean the same, I mean he sent me his track, I recorded mine, and they're pretty much the same. So, you'll hear us echo each other. Not on purpose, but you know, the storylines are pretty important, so to hear it twice and get a different slant on it is pretty cool, but we recorded this separately. This is the second time we've ever done that, and so it'll be a little bit different. You'll hear me talk, you'll hear Jamie talk, and we'll just go back and forth and give our important storylines. Jamie actually went in and recorded a fourth one because he cheated, and he's a cheater. Even though we said three storylines, he went in and recorded four. So that's the kind of guy Jamie is. He goes and records an extra storyline. Not necessary, but he did it. So we will have this podcast separately, but together, talking about this win against the Cincinnati Bengals, getting to 10 wins, double digits. Haven't done that since 2009. So before we do, we're going to get into donations, and a couple people addressed Jamie in the donations. So I will let Jamie read off a few donations addressed to him, and then I'll announce the rest.
1: So we have a couple of donations today, and the people who sent them to us, also addressed me in their messages. So we'll start off with the donation from Aaron Vrabel, who donated an odd number that ended in 59 cents. And he says, 59 cents extra for Jamie's tweet before Badgley's kick that aged so horribly. Keep up the good work, guys. For those of you who don't know, right before Badgley kicked his 59-yard field goal before halftime, I tweeted that I thought that they might have a better chance of completing a hail mary than making a 59 yard kick, and I was mostly concerned with Badgley coming up short and the Bengals returning the short kick for a touchdown. Of course, I was wrong, thankfully, and I'm glad he made the kick. It was a hell of a kick. I, I don't, I'm not sure everybody thought he could make it, but sounds like he did. He was in Coach Lynn's ear before the kick, begging him for the opportunity, and you have to love that confidence. So. Congrats to Badgley for the the made kick and thank you to Aaron for the donation. We appreciate it. And the next one is from Evan Airy who says I'll double it for a video of Jamie celebrating a TD or if Travis Benjamin gets released, whichever comes first. Mm-hmm. Needless to say, Evan, you're not going to see me celebrating on video anytime soon, so we're going to have we're all going to have to hope that Travis gets released. for for that donation to get doubled. And by the way, if anybody really wants to troll me, if anybody really wants to teach me a lesson for uh, doubting Badgley on that 59-yard kick, I think the best way to do that would be to send us, I don't know, maybe 10 or 15 $59 donations. That'd be a really good reminder that I missed on that prediction before that kick. So keep that in mind.
0: So we got three more donations. One is from Marcus Terrigian, our biggest fan. I guess Liam, our youngest fan and biggest fan is number one. Marcus Terrigian, one of our favorites for sure. Donates every month. Appreciate that, Marcus. The next one is from John Cooper. He says, to the beer fund, thanks for all the work you guys put in. I can't tell you how much I look forward to listening every week. Well, thank you, Coop. I appreciate that. And I appreciate you listening every single week. Thank you, John. Antonio Stevens is our last donor this week. He says, thanks for keeping me sane on my drive home each week. My only complaint is you're not on every day. Keep up the good work. Well, I think people would probably get sick of us. And Jamie and I might get sick of each other. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But every day would be probably overkill. But I appreciate the sentiment. Thank you so much, Antonio. Thank you, Marcus, John, Antonio. Appreciate you three. And, of course, the two that Jamie talked about earlier. So thank you very much. So one more announcement, if you will, before we get into storylines. And that is, because this is a Thursday night game going against the Kansas City Chiefs, we'll have some extra time to do this next podcast. It'll be released early. We'll release it on Monday rather than our regular Tuesday. We'll be able to talk about it. We're going to talk about that matchup with the Chiefs. And if the Chargers win or lost, hopefully they win in Kansas City. That'd be fun. And we'll also talk about the playoff implications, whether the Chargers win or lose there's only two more games left after that, and what it means for the Chargers and where they stand. Do they have a shot at the number one seed since the Patriots lost? And if they beat Kansas City, will they have a shot? Or are they going to be locked in on that fifth seed if they lose? We'll see, and we will talk about it next podcast, the next Lightning Round podcast, which will be released on Monday. Okay? All right. Let's go ahead and get into it. I'll do a storyline. Jamie will do a storyline. We'll go back and forth. And again, they might be pretty similar. But first one for me, and they're actually pretty obvious. I mean, I think if you thought of three important storylines, you might come up with these three as well. But Michael Badgley is money. And I don't mean Money Badger, because here's the thing about nicknames. They're only cool if they're good. Money Badger isn't great. We can definitely do better. Bruce Badgley? because they both can kick it. Look, I'm just spitballing here, but I'm on the right track there. There is something there, Bruce Badgley. There's something there that I like a lot better than Money Badger. Okay, I'm just saying we can do better. But on Sunday, Badgley couldn't have done any better. He was perfect. The highlight, of course, was the 59-yarder before the half. And the two real questions regarding Badgley this season have been his kickoffs, number one, which he seemed to be coming up a little bit short. This weekend, he's got a couple in the end zone, but got to be more consistent, obviously. And the second was, is he any good from distance? The only time he's kicked a field goal over 50 yards was last week in Pittsburgh, where the Chargers' first drive, maybe should have gone for it on that fourth and short, ended up going for a 52-yard field goal, and badly missed it. Most people thought that game was over. They were mistaken because that game wasn't over when he missed that field goal. It had just begun. But we saw a perfectly orchestrated drive before the half with a little help from an offsides penalty, and Badgley hit a 59-yarder. That is the longest field goal in Chargers history. He was 4-for-4 on field goals on Sunday. He was 2-for-2 on extra points. The kid just doesn't seem to be rattled. And he looks to be like he's kicking with a lot of confidence. Did you see that smile after that 59-yarder? He was excited about it. In fact, when Jordan Willis jumped offsides, Badgley was in Anthony Lynn's ear saying, let's do this. He wanted to go for it. Anthony Lynn said, okay. He got his wish, and it paid off. The kicker helped push the Chargers past the Bengals because the offense really stalled after the first two drives. They couldn't really get much going. They would get in field goal range, kind of stop, and, of course, Badgley took care of the rest. Badgley on the ear, 20 for 21 on extra points, 14 of 15 on field goals, that is a 93.3% on field goal percentage. That is great. Also, you know, has the most points by a Charters kicker through seven career games with 62. The thing that I think is being overlooked with Michael Badgley is this dude's a rookie. He was an undrafted free agent. Now, I know kickers don't really go that high unless you're Roberto Aguayo, but he was an undrafted free agent. He's doing all of this in his first year of NFL experience. He had to kick a game-winner last week. He did it. He got three tries, and he was a little wacky, but he did it. He won the game, and he hit a 59-yarder, and he kept the Chargers in that game, and he kept them ahead. We'll talk about the defense and how they were able to hold the Bengals from ever taking a lead or at least tying the game, but Badgley just basically pushed this team past the Bengals. He did it all. Four field goals, two extra points. He put a ton of points on the board. And here's the other thing, he might even get better with time. He's a rookie, and what he's doing is no easy feat, I think he deserves a ton of credit. So, Michael Badgley, get some kicker love from me here on the show, and since Jamie isn't here, and he can't defend himself, I'm finally going to tell you guys this. He's the one who doesn't want kickers on this show. Yeah, every week before we record, he says, don't say shit about kickers. He gets on there, and he has to talk shit about kickers, and he wants to tell me, hey, listen. Don't say anything about kickers this week. Well, guess what? He's not here, and I'm saying it. I don't know what his deal is, but I'm glad I got to give a little kicker love and a kicker his due without the iron fist of that kicker hater, Jamie. And my neck my first storyline is building on what I
1: talked about earlier with Badgley. My first storyline is that the Chargers finally have their kicker. You know, it seems like they've been looking for a kicker ever since they parted ways with Nate Cating, what, probably almost ten years ago now. And uh they've you know, they've been through Nick Novak and they've been through it seems like Wade Ritchie and you know, obviously Young Waikou and and um uh Josh Lambeau and Sturgis and Aguayo, all these people trying to find a kicker, and they finally find one in the undrafted free agent, Michael Badgley, who of course, as I mentioned earlier, made the 59-yard field goal right before halftime, finished the day four for four on field goals, made both of his extra point tries, made kicks from 59, 31, 32, and 45, and for the first time in God knows how long, it feels like the Chargers have a legitimate weapon in the kicking game, that they don't have to worry about you know, getting inside of that 45-yard mark to make field goals like they did with the Nick Novak. They can have confidence that if the conditions allow it and there's not a whole lot of wind and there's a good opportunity for it, that they might be able to make a you know 50 to 55 yard kick if they really need one down the stretch in a playoff game. and that's a feeling we haven't had for a while, and it's something that'm I'm, I'm glad we finally have, and I'm looking forward to seeing how he continues to perform moving forward because it seems like with as many close games as his team plays, they're probably going to need him down the stretch, and particularly in the playoffs because you figure they're going to continue playing close games.
0: So my second storyline is about Ken Wizenhunt. And while there were some good calls on Sunday, Wisenhunt just got too cute too often for my taste. The Chargers got the ball with two minutes before the half and got nine yards on first down. The next two downs, Wiz elected to throw it. Too cute. This, mind you... After the run game helped fuel the first two touchdown drives by the Chargers, they just abandoned it after that, and they just couldn't get it going. With two downs to get one yards, the Chargers have one timeout with two minutes. There should have been one run play, especially because both those incompletions stopped the clock. And then that gave the Bengals the ball back. They drove down and scored a touchdown before half. With a minute left in the third quarter, it's the same thing. Third and one this time and Wiz elects to throw it again. Justin Jackson had just ran for two yards the play before, so you know he could get more than one yard. On third down, it's a 10-yard pass. It's down the sideline into double coverage. It's tipped. It's almost intercepted. It was going to Keenan Allen. Too cute. And again, on the ensuing drive by the Bengals, they get points. This time a field goal, not a touchdown, but still. Give the ball back to the Bengals. On three plays where you need one yard, Wizenhunt elects to throw the ball three times out of three times. At the end of the game, the Chargers have the opportunity to ice the game. They just need a first down because the Bengals have one timeout remaining. And on third down, it becomes almost a teaching lesson and kind of a smart-ass play call where against Denver, of course, Rivers, rather than Rivers taking a knee Sitting on the ball and wasting more time for the Broncos, who, when he threw it into the ground, gave the Broncos more time to drive down, kick the game winning field goal. We all remember that game. It gave them a chance. This time, with the clock ticking, Wiz runs a read option with Philip Rivers, and Philip makes sure to stay in bounds. Like some kind of teaching moment where he wanted to say, Hey, remember the last time the clock was ticking and you threw it into the ground? How about we do a read option? Too cute. Forget it. Trash that play, light it on fire, send it into orbit. That's a dim-witted play call whether Rivers gets that or not. Mind you, if Rivers gets the first down, I'm still just as mad. Rivers is too slow. He's not fooling anyone. And if he does, linebackers are going to catch up with him. D-linemen are going to catch up with him. Defensive tackles will catch up with Philip Rivers. He's not beating anybody to the sticks unless he has a clear field and he won't. My problem is when you run that read option, you're then putting your slowest quarterback in the league. Probably definitely you're putting the slowest quarterback and the man you depend on most, especially with how great he's playing this year to run the ball down the sideline with a linebacker taking a free shot at Phillip rivers. Why put him in danger? If you're going to get cute, run that reverse again. Do something else. Why put? Why even chance it with Rivers? Look, I know you can't play timid. That's not how football works. I understand that. But I'm just not putting my quarterback one in danger if I'm an offensive play caller. And I'm definitely not calling a read option. Even though nobody's expecting it in the building, doesn't mean it's going to work. And it didn't. Stop it. Too cute. Now, to Wiz's credit, what if... He's just trying to play his cards close. What if he put that wacky play on tape and wants to empty the playbook at Kansas City? I mean, the idea could have been that they could coast through this game on a limited play selection. And if that's the case, they did. But Wiz has got to be better this week. That offensive play calling, most of that game was bogus. You run almost a complete two drives to start the game. Complete. Run, pass, everything was working, mixed up perfectly, and then you abandon it. And you abandon it when you're within the 20-yard line. When you're within your own 20-yard line, you got to get the ball downfield, or else you're going three and out, and you're letting Donnie Jones kick a 30-something-yard punt and giving the Bengals short field again. Got to be more aggressive in those situations. Wiz has got to be better this week against the Kansas City Chiefs. My next...
1: Storyline from Sunday's game is it's got something to do with Ken Wizenhunt. And this is that fi- Wiz finally gets it right with Austin Eckler. And for those of you who weren't keeping track, Austin Eckler made his third start uh in the absence of Melvin Gordon this season. First two starts didn't go so well. It seemed like the team was bound and determined just to run him up the middle, head first into good defensive lines. And just kind of hang him out to dry. They weren't really making an effort to get him in space. weren't really making an effort to match him up with linebackers or get him out on the edge of the defense. It was just very frustrating to watch. It was something that we talked about at length after the win over the Pittsburgh Steelers last week. And then this week, you know, we kind of said if you're not gonna tr- if you're not gonna handle Eckler right, just give those touches to Justin Jackson and go back to using Eckler as a as a uh, a complementary back because. You just aren't motivated to use him properly, and there's no sense in running him out there if you're not going to put him in a position to succeed. Well, this week, Austin started again in the absence of Gordon. He got the bulk of the touches again, and he wound up with 17 touches for 94 yards and a touchdown, most of which came in the first half, really in the first quarter. Uh, and what we saw the Chargers do differently this time, Ken was in Hunt in particular, was it started with moving him around on the formation. He played some wingback. He, he lined up. In the eye, lined up in the shotgun, lined up out wide, lined up in the slot. They motioned him across the formation to create matchups. They did a really good job of getting him in space. I thought that Wiz also used some really creative play designs, and they got some really good blocking up front to give him a chance to make plays. There were a couple plays in particular that I highlighted during a film study session on Sunday night after the game that I thought were just brilliant. One of them was a toss sweep to Eckler, where they were in, um, they were in twelve. They were in their twenty-two package: two tight ends, two running backs. They motioned Derek Watt into the backfield. They brought uh, Virgil Green across the formation from right to left, and basically used both Watt and Green to seal the lane and create a huge running lane for Eckler, who basically wasn't touched until he was about ten yards downfield. Uh, they had a brilliant screen, uh, cross screen that they called for him, set up the second touchdown. Uh, they consistently got him out on the edge. They had a couple plays that they would normally call for Gordon, which they had not been calling for Eckler, which involved him, um, you know, basically taking. Uh, they it, it involved Rivers faking to Eckler, Eckler coming through the line of scrimmage, and crossing the middle of the field, basically crossing the middle linebacker's face and breaking out into the open space for a seven-yard gain on a pass. They did a much better job of game planning for him and putting him in a position to succeed. And I thought this was most evident, like I said, really in the first quarter, in the first 15 minutes and nine seconds of the game, where it seemed to me that the plays were scripted, the team was running more efficiently, they were moving up and down the field at will, and they weren't taking forever to get plays off. They were getting in the line of scrimmage. They were, you know, kind of they were playing with more up tempo, and they just had better plays scripted for Eckler, and that's where most of his success came from. So kudos to Wiz for getting that right. I thought it was a very nice thing to see. It was something that we had been begging for. You know, if, if Gordon can't play and you've got to feature Eckler, you might as well put him in a position to succeed. Make some minor tweaks. Use some creative play calling. Get the guy involved. Get him get him involved where he can be most effective, and they finally did that. So that was a really nice thing to see. Very encouraging moving forward in the event that maybe Gordon can't go against the Chiefs. Kind of gives you hope that, that they're in a position to, uh, to make better use of Eckler in Kansas City on Thursday night. I also wanted to point out, I think I figured out what some of the problems are with Eckler. Uh, I mentioned this on Twitter during the game on Sunday. And it seems to me that the way they use Eckler is a direct reflection of how they view the opposing defense. In other words, if they feel like the opposing defense isn't a threat, they really open up the playbook for Eckler and they put him in a position to succeed. If they feel like the opposing defense does pose a threat, kind of like with with Tennessee and with um, with the Steelers last week, it seems like they really reel in the play, the play calling for Eckler and they treat him as more of an afterthought than – a central part of the offense, so something to watch. I think that probably bodes well for, for Kansas City because I doubt they consider the Kansas City defense a threat at this point of the season. But something to keep an eye on. I think that's kind of kind of what's driving how they use Eckler from a game to game on a game to game basis uh, as a featured back.
0: Okay, my last storyline. I know Jamie's going to give four. I know, I know. Kind of a kiss ass, right? Yeah, he's going to give four. I have three. My last one is about the defensive cast of characters that rise again. This seems like a headline we've had before on this podcast, and it is fun to watch. Throughout the season, there's been some steady play. Phillip Rivers, been amazing this year. Keenan Allen, clutch. Another 1,000-yard receiving season, second in a row, back-to-back. It's back-to-back. Love it. Great job by Keenan Allen. Derwin James, Defensive Rookie of the Year. Melvin Gordon's been great. But in these close games, any man can step up. And a few did to help seal that game against Cincinnati. Going into halftime, the Bengals go for two, try to tie that game. Driscoll threw a swing pass to Joe Mixon that Derwin James sniffed out immediately and looked like he was shot out of a cannon. He dove low, wrapped up the legs, and wouldn't let Mixon go until he tripped him up and the try was no good. The Cincinnati possession coming out of the half, they have a fourth and inches, and cornerback Michael Davis does an excellent job playing that run backside. He wraps up Mixon. Here comes Julio Ladai. Comes as reinforcement. Push Mixon backwards on the play. No good. On that play, excellent job by Darius Philon and Damian Square. They collapse down on that play. They created a wall at the line of scrimmage. Mixon had nowhere to go. Davis cleans it up. The Bengals score with under two minutes left. They have another two-point try. Darius Phylon gets the huge sack on Jeff Driscoll with a gorgeous spin move. Christian Westerman knocked totally off balance. Phylon slips by him. Sacks Driscoll. No good on the two-point try. Chenin dips under Bobby Hart, the right tackle. game ceiling sack. So quick off the edge. Adrian Phillips. Got a big pass breakup on third down while the Bengals were driving. Only resulted in three. Joey Bosa, huge sack. Looked really good in the run game. So many players are coming up big this season. And on any given Sunday, it could be anybody. And that's a scary proposition for this defense heading into December. And as we all hope, heading into January. Anybody can step up. Anybody can make a play on this defense. And it is beautiful to watch. My
1: third point here, my third storyline from the game, kind of building on what I talked about with Eckler, is I thought what we saw was really whiz at his bipolar worst. And what I mean by that is it felt like he coached two different games. So I talked a little bit about the first 15 minutes and nine seconds of the game in which the Chargers ran 17 plays, gained 160 yards, and scored two touchdowns. They called for seven passes, ran the ball 10 times, uh, they really attacked all areas of the field with the offense. And I thought the Chargers played loose and they played fast. They were just much more efficient. You know, it just seemed like they were snapping the ball consistently with right around 10 seconds on the play clock. They weren't dragging the play clock down into that two second or one second range like they so frequently do. They were just really in a rhythm. And they weren't really trying to force anything, they were just kind of letting the flow of the game dictate how they were running plays, and it, it I thought it went beautifully. The tempo was great, and the balance between run and pass was really good. They really had Cincinnati guessing, and they were on their heels, and they took advantage of it and scored two touchdowns. The second game that Wiz, Wiz coached, I thought, was really the last four minutes and 51 seconds, during which time the Chargers ran 39 plays, gained 128 yards, and scored nine points against one of the worst defenses in the league. To me, I thought the key to that stretch that really started after the first play of their third possession of the game was Wiz abandoned the run. They dragged the pace down. They started snapping the ball with one second second on the play clock again, and it led to four straight three and outs. And I think what really triggered this is that third possession started inside the Chargers' five-yard line. And they tried to run the ball with Justin Jackson, and he got dropped for a two-yard loss. From that point on, I think the Chargers had three or four possessions in the fourth quarter, or in the second quarter. Excuse me. They did not run the ball again. The rest of the second quarter, they put the ball in Rivers' hands. They tried to force the ball down the field. They basically put him seven steps back in the in the shotgun, asking him to make all the plays, and completely took the running game out of the out of the equation. It let the Bengals tee off on Rivers in the pass rush. They started taking advantage of Tevi and Schofield and even Mike Pouncey at times and it just made the Chargers very predictable. Uh, the pace was bad, the tempo was bad, everything was bad and as you saw the Chargers just really struggled to score points. So and I thought, you know, in response to the way that Wiz managed the second quarter or called plays in the second quarter, I thought he really wasted the short field they got after a turnover on downs in the Bengals opening possession of the third quarter. Seemed like he really tried to overcorrect. They didn't run the ball at all in the second quarter after Austin Eckler ran it in for a five-yard touchdown. They didn't. They ran one more time after that, and then they were done running. And it just felt like they tried to overcorrect by pounding the ball down the Ravens' throat, or the by pounding the ball down the Bengals' throats. Excuse me. Uh, at a point in which I think they ran something like six or seven consecutive running plays. Uh, it just it just felt like a gross overcorrection like they were trying to prove they could run the ball you know they get a short field they're up by 2 at that point and it just really seemed like that's a ta- that's a time to take a shot down the field and uh try to maybe put the game out of reach you know put some quick points on the board take a shot get a splash play demoralize that defense that played so well in the second quarter and start to build some momentum for for the second half and they didn't do that they just ran the ball several times they didn't throw it again until a third down play in the red zone that wound up coming up short I think that was the play where he was trying to target Tyrell in the back right corner of the end zone and Mike Williams jumped up and tried to catch it and knocked it down and that was the only pass on that possession if I recall correctly so just really got out of sync by abandoning the run and then trying to run the ball too much on the heels of... Very poorly called second quarter. So, my conclusion just from watching all this and watching how everything unfolded was it seemed to me like Wiz had a very, very good initial game plan. In other words, he scripted extremely well the first 15 or 20 plays for the offense, and you saw them just running up and down the field, scoring two touchdowns, made it look easy. Uh, And then I thought he let one tackle for loss make him one-dimensional and predictable in the second quarter and then overcorrected in the third quarter. To me, I just don't think he was prepared beyond those 15 to 20 plays. Or not. You know, I don't know if it had something to do with the talk of him possibly interviewing for the Georgia Tech job. I don't know if he was distracted or what the deal was. But the as good as the scripted plays were in the first quarter plus, the overarching game plan was just very inconsistent and didn't really seem to have much of a plan behind it at all. So... Um, I'd really like to see them try to script more plays uh, down the stretch here. You know, Ideally, I think I'd like to see them script the first 25 to 30 plays to get them into a good rhythm and see if they can build on that down the stretch. I just think they're better with tempo. You know, they showed it against uh, the Cardinals two weeks ago. They struggled against the Steelers at times last week because they they weren't playing with a whole lot of tempo. And then their two best drives of the game against – the Bengals on on Sunday were both driven by tempo and 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 rhythm, and they lost both those things. So I'd like to see them really script another really script twenty five to thirty plays going forward down the stretch to to give them a better chance to get into rhythm and build leads and get out to a fast start uh, as this schedule starts to get tougher for their last three games. And I was gonna make this a a storyline, but I'm just gonna kind of throw this out here just as a a last kind of a shout out is I thought it was really impressive to see how many people, once again, contributed on defense. I know they struggled against the run at times. They had some some missed run fits, uh, some poor angles, some slow reads at times. Um, but they also had stretches where they played pretty well against the run. And I thought they really got plays from everybody at all three levels of the defense. You know, Bosa played his ass off, worked really hard against the run, had a sack. He was all over the field, made six tackles as a defensive end, which is pretty crazy uh derwin like joey was everywhere he had that huge key stop on the two-point try right before the half had a had a couple really impressive run stops was just all over the field making a difference in all three phases of the the Bengals' offense um i thought phylon was extremely disruptive played a very played very very hard was working his way up and down the line of scrimmage throwing guys out of his way contributed to a couple run stops and of course had that huge sack on the two-point try uh at the end of the game there and finally, Adrian Phillips, um, in my opinion, played very well. Had a couple if iffy run, run, run reads, run fits early in the game, but he was really all over the place. And he had a huge third down stop and coverage to force a field goal in the fourth quarter that kept the Bengals from potentially taking the lead. So really, I thought they got a lot of contributions up and down the defense. And they looked – at times they looked really good, but just – just the overarching theme of, you know, total team effort, getting plays from everybody at all three levels of the defense I thought were huge. And of course, I failed to mention um, you know, the, the fourth down stop to start the third quarter by Michael Davis and Jalil Dye, two more guys who contributed. So really, really a total team effort on defense, guys toughing out a very physical, very challenging win, probably a lot more difficult than they thought it would be heading into the game. So kudos to them for the effort, for playing hard and finding a way to finish that game on defense. They did a great job.
0: So that'll do it for us, guys. I'm at Garacisti on Twitter. Jamie is at lightning underscore round on Twitter. We appreciate you guys listening. A little bit different format. Tune in next week. We'll talk about the Kansas City matchup, whether the Chargers won or lost, and we'll talk about playoff implications. So appreciate you guys listening. We will see you next time.